Good evening, everyone here at the Investing Stuff You Should Know podcast. We have a great guest with us today. It is Flint Jamison. Uh, he is a mechanical engineer or was a mechanical engineer. Maybe he still is. He can elaborate on those things. And uh, also, I am a mechanical engineer. So there's a little bit of commonality there. He's uh, in the syndication. He started a fund. And we're pretty excited to have him uh, participate and share all the knowledge and the things he's learned and is doing. And uh, thank you, James, for, uh, or sorry, Flint, for being with us here today. Yeah, great to be here. Uh, we'll have to dive into the engineering world a little bit. Uh, I, I guess I can go first. So um, mechanical engineer, I went into aerospace. I designed the 787, the Boeing 787 for a good decade. Wow, man. And then, yeah. <laughs> such, and then a, I, such an iconic aircraft and, and so so much, uh, yeah, so well known and so, uh, so, so, so much publicity around. I love that. Yes. I love that aircraft. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I just flew on it two weeks ago and I just absolutely love it. And I, and you're right. I think a lot of people like it because I mean, it's got the cool windows. It's quieter, lower cabin altitude. I could go into all the sales points on that, but I was an engineer. I did the wing uh, and it's, it's exciting well, uh, to look out at the, the wing. left wing, the left wing or the right wing. Both. Yes. <laughs> uh, specifically wing leading edge for those engineers out there. It was the, both the fix and movable, everything in front of the, the Ford spar, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I went into, got my MBA looking for the next thing. And uh, here I am as a program manager. Now I'm managing a large aircraft modification program. Basically we design and modify aircraft for the Department of Defense. So we, yeah, that, we let's talk. Let's talk about that just really, yeah. really quick. So that's like, it's like a huge thing because like we have these these legacy aircraft right across the U.S. fleet, and they need. I mean, they're so. I mean, they're like 40, 50, 60, maybe. I mean, obviously, many years. And so it, that's a huge, huge is cost savings, right? Versus a ground up, just a blue sheet like the seven eighty seven was, just to, for comparison. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Uh, Oh man, we could go down this rabbit hole so far, <laughs> but yes. So there's, there's not only just modifying existing aircraft, like C-130s, we, we get those all the time and we, we, we just add new capabilities, whether it's a new radio and antenna or some other stuff, but, um, and then we take standard biz jets or small turboprop aircraft meant for, you know, general aviation. And we'll, we'll basically make them do cool things. So uh, awesome. Yeah, What's the difference? To, well, we're going to bridge the gap right now between real yeah. estate and uh, the engineering space. Yeah. What do you think is the difference between and why can you do it on an old aircraft uh, versus like a, a building where you have, eventually you have to tear it down and redo it? Like what, what's the similarities or the differences there? You know, just because it's so expensive or because you, you're like, what, what, how, how does that work? How, tell us how, how Flint's mind work works there. Uh, interesting. I, I haven't, put this metaphor together, but I think I can do it on the fly. <laughs> so we choose, I, I, I trust you. You can do it. Yeah. So we, we've actually taken aircraft out of the boneyard because they're, they're, they're cheap. I mean, literally they've, they've gone uh, full useful cycle, but yeah. they're still usable. So we can pull them out of the boneyard. We can go through a, a, a heavy maintenance check, make sure that they're still structurally sound. We might put a new engine on it. And then from there, we we put the new capabilities on for Department of Defense and send it on its way. So that's like, a, it's a very low cost aircraft. Um, doing ground up designs of aircraft is obviously a major uh, undertaking because 
you have to design a clean sheet aircraft versus just putting a new radio and antenna on an existing aircraft. Right. I'm, I'm kind of oversimplifying it, but that's the gist of it. Yes. Uh, and then yes, for real estate, we do that exact same thing. We buy an apartment building that's say built in the eighties and it hasn't been updated. It's, it's got lower rents. Uh, it's got a mom and pop owner and the rents are very low. It's got a lot of legs left in it. We can go in there and renovate. It's like flipping a house. We flip apartments over a five-year period with tenants in place doing a unit at a time or 10 units at a time. So that's the same thing. We, we refresh the property and uh, raise rents and get the revenue up. And then the property value skyrockets and investors are happy. Tenants are happy because we got rid of their 80s decor and new hard surfaces. <laughs> Nice. And do you think the uh, the cost basis of uh, an aircraft versus a, a building is I think, completely different uh, economics? Flint, would you say that? Yes, I I would struggle to wrap my head around that one. I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll leave that. We'll just leave. We'll put that into bed. We'll just we'll just keep yeah. going here. So all right. So you've all, so you've obviously you're you're pedigreed engineer. You're running some major programs here for you know obviously Boeing and now and now the yeah. government here. But then concurrently you're doing obviously real estate and you have a fund or something that uh, re- relevant to me, relevant to my audience. Uh, you guys commence with uh, syndication. Did you not? Did you mention fund? Is that what you meant? Said? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So you start. You start. So did you go start with syndication and then step into fund, or did you just kick? Yes. Kick right from the get get go. Go with the, yeah. the fund model. No. Well, let's let's back up the story a little bit. Um, where most people get in real estate, I, I kind of want to hit this point because Please. Please. I think a lot of people want to get into real estate and they realize, well, that means I have to go buy a single family home, and then I have to be a landlord, and that takes a lot of capital. There's a lot of work involved, and yes, that is very true. Um, I did that. I bought a duplex. I burned the duplex. I basically renovated, kept it, held it. I sold it three months ago. It was great. Um, but I immediately pivoted to syndications because yes. it tends to be the most efficient path to um, passive wealth. So, uh, yeah, I started on a single apartment complex. When I got into syndications, raised capital, partnered with a whole bunch of people. Um, Now we have a hundred unit apartment complex in Augusta. From there, um, working with mentors, they planted a seed in my ear. Hey, you could do a fund of a fund. And then we can dive deeper into what that really means. We have a portfolio of three properties. And um, I said, yeah, sure. Let's, let's do it. Like the, the leap from doing a syndication on a single property to doing a fund wasn't that big of a leap. Now, I hadn't thought of it that way initially going into it until someone actually prodded me and said, Flint, this is actually not a big deal. I think you can do it. And so I walked down that path within three weeks. I had a team built and we were putting the paperwork in place. And here we are. And I'm just about ready to close on that fund to fund. That's amazing, man. That, that, that's really properties. sweet. Yeah. So that so that so maybe maybe people are familiar with the syndication and and there's a lot of similarities with the fund here. And obviously, like you said, you didn't really know how you know how easily maybe you could just step into it. What are some? Uh, so you you 
successfully executed a syndication. What are the differences looking back now? Yes, you're still kind of, you know, in the process of it. What are the differences? Um, yeah. If you could lay that out for us. I think this is a key point that a lot of investors struggled to get their head around. Because when I went from a single property that investors wrapped their head around how to do a syndication. Yes. Versus now I said, hey, I have this fund of a portfolio of three properties. They're like, oh, what does a fund mean? Do I get still get cost segregation? And so the answer is, it's really no different from the investor perspective, other than with the fund, I am providing them an opportunity to diversify across three different properties in three different states. So huge, so huge. So huge. And from an investor perspective, it's the same PPM subscription document. It's all the same legal documents that they sign. They get equity percentage in each one of those properties and they will get a K-1 and tax tax advantages. It's just like owning real estate. Now they have three with, with a one one-time investment and single paperwork. Right. Yeah. And then just to make make that point again, if you would, for a slant here, the diversification is gigantic, right? Um, yeah. Sorry. So on this particular one, we are spread amongst three different states and we have three different asset classes of apartments. So not only do we have three different locations and economies, we yeah. have three different business plans. Like we have two class B's, two that are going through a value add renovation and another one that's a huge class A just got off of the, the developer. So there's a lot of um, value add when you buy it off of the developer. Thus it's it's basically three totally different business plans on three different properties and they will cash flow all differently. One of the properties is looking to do value add and turn in three years and sell. I mean, boom, you get a major um, profit hit from, from an investor perspective in year three, and then you wait till year five and the, the other two will sell. So it's it's got an interesting um, investment profile. No, that's, that's amazing, man. And then how did you, um, and then of course that, uh, you know, there's like kind of swells and surges of on the returns. How did you uh, present to your investors? Because it's it can be kind of complicated. The yeah. um, How did you kind of normalize or average, you know, annualize those returns so people feel like they're getting share, you know, that people yeah. you know, talk, talk about this in a minute. When people, as people come in, we'll set that idea aside. But how did you normalize returns to kind of convey that? Because even on the, the GP side, that can be complicated. Yes. From the, the three different operators, we have three dedicated operators that are running the show on their own. They're kind of right. running stovepipe on theirs, but we come in as a fund and, and feed uh, financially all three of these deals. From our view, from a fund view, you can say it's it's all rolled into one. There is no, hey, you're getting cash flow from property A this month, property B next month and C the third month. It doesn't work like that. It all gets rolled into one. You will get quarterly payments as if it was a single property, but there's three properties yeah. feeding it. Yep. And yeah, then, right. like I said, when you get a, a big sale, there's a, there's a major financial bump there in year three. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, and then a little more detail on that there. So the, um, as you, uh, did you have everyone, did you, did you just do one uh, initial raise and then basically it was, did you do like a closed fund? You had one initial raise. Did you have multiple rounds of, of fundraising? Uh, and this one, it was just one raise and I know what you're talking about. You can have some funds that are, that are more open-ended. This one's a very closed, closed closed-ended fund. It is the three properties raised to a single raise, then shut it down and we ride it out. Um, there are other funds that are more like evergreen funds, which are, I call it your, uh, choose your own adventure fund. 
where <laughs> yes. it's just open and there's <laughs> there's deals that come through you get to choose which deals you want you have your money in there you opt in on a certain deal i'm not an expert on there i that's like another three-week process for me to figure out i will eventually get there um, All right but and then there's the blind funds where you put your money in and you put your trust in the fund manager to go make sure that properties are continually coming in and there's a constant sale every year to maintain that essentially targeted 15% IRR. Um, I think from a fund manager standpoint, that's you need a lot of trust in investors. You need a lot of investors. I think it takes a long time to get to that level. Yes. Uh, and you have to have a lot of trusted operators to make sure you have a ton of deal flow that you can bring into that deal and a ton of investors feeding it. So I think that one's probably by far the hardest. I, I would agree with there with you on that one. Um, with the investors uh, that came on board here, did they know the three assets that they were that you were targeting? Was it like was it you that was in the deal? Like okay, the three assets in these areas, these operators did did they know that? Yes. So yeah. our our offering package, the 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 presentation we put together showed all three. So that was a lot of work on our end because we were essentially putting a deal package together with three properties. So it was almost yes. like three times as long. <laughs> other than the financials were all rolled into one big financial, gigantic, gigantic pitch deck. You know, just going, yes, just like, I was like, was. what another one again? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were we were hundred plus pages, and it's like we got to get this down. We got to cut things out, but. Uh, yeah. Yes. And on each one of those properties, here's, here's the main operator. Here's the property management that's running it. There's, there's a different debt per property, right? All of that gets laid out for the investors. Right. That's really good, man. So that, that's, that's so interesting to obviously lay out the, how you guys did it and then how you saw it kind of working. Um, and then, and then kind of how you kind of put a bow on it because some, some of this, the fun, but the, 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 the sweet spot of this are the sweet, uh, or, um, a benefit of the fund, I guess, and one of the upsides is the creativity that you can apply and employ essentially in the space. But, you know, that also comes to this downsides because there are so many ways of doing it. You do have to put some parameters and say, okay, we're not, yeah, we're not, all things are not on the table here. Here are some considerations. Here are some boundaries. What makes sense in this, in this yeah. case. And that's talking to operators or fund managers like yourself. This is really helpful to see, hey, this is how they did it. This is how, this is the deal. This is how it happened, or the, deal, the deals that went into yep. it. This is how it happened. And these are the structures. And this is how they did it. So just hearing how someone else kind of like, you know, uh, you know, winnowed down all the different choices yep. and just went forward, that's key. You know, that really is, that really is helpful. So yeah, just to lay out another example for, for your listeners, there's a there's a big self-storage operator that's opening up a fund, $150 million fund. And it's basically, uh, they're going to do, like you said, a tranche one raise. Right now we're going to raise, say, $30 million and we're going to go acquire a bunch of property. But you can't raise $150 million right out of the gate in any speed and and acquire 150 million dollars worth of property so they'll do like one through four tranches of raises or one to six whatever it takes but at the end of the day it's going to close down at that 150 million dollar mark and for investors it's a single single input of money and then you are diversified across 150 million dollars worth of assets so um, funds can get very unique depending on who's doing it but i think they're advantageous for a lot of investors 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's a beauty because then you have, you know, there's just, there's just benefits on both sides of it. You have the ready capital, you have the, you know, the, maybe you have deal flow and it's a lot yeah. more liquid. It's, there's a lot more fluidity and, you know, ability to respond as things change. And that's yeah. a, what, another aspect that's very beneficial here. Yeah. All right. We're going to pivot here a little bit, Flynn, to, uh, I guess, uh, something with it internally or how, you, how your team is operated. And that is your, uh, your, your investor base. Uh, how did you, uh, and I always ask my guests this, how did you, or how have you uh, engaged with, connected with, and maybe even grown your investor base? What's been some uh, ideas and things you've done there, uh, done well, and maybe maybe should avoid? Uh, yeah, I don't think I have any unique tricks because I basically learn from everybody else around me. Um, my go-to is LinkedIn. I yes. seem to find my biggest audience. Um, I secondarily, I put things, whatever I put on LinkedIn, I try to put on Facebook and I get people that flow from there. Um, the, the big thing that I have done myself is I've worked with mentors, specifically uh, Annie and Julie at Good Egg. I got involved in the real estate accelerator program. Mm, nice. Yes. And they, they have saved me so much time. Uh, it's basically, they, they set you up with an active campaign. They give you all the drip campaigns. They um, tell you how to build a website appropriately, right? They give you the framework to put yourself out there online and yeah. build your database and continue to connect with people. So um, without them, I would be another year behind. It's just the amount of info I got basically a huge jump start with them. So I think that that's my biggest hack. Nice man, no, that's fantastic. And I've heard other, I've heard good, good things about their, uh, you know, their, 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 uh, yeah, their platform program. essentially. Yeah, their yeah. program, their platform, and uh, have the success. I've seen a few other people, um, yeah. you know, go through that program and 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 be, do amazing things. So that's that's awesome to hear, and it's also yeah. also awesome to share that you know you you went you went that route. Did you? How did you uh, connect with the, with those with their group initially? Did you just like see online advertising, or did you was a like a person to person? That's a great question. <laughs> I I don't remember how I initially heard about them. I'll be honest. That was too long ago. But sure. I, I somehow came across them and yeah. I looked into it and said, wow, that looks interesting, but I'm not sure I'm, I'm willing to pay for it. And then uh, to be honest, I failed a, a raise on my first deal. And that's the moment when I was like, that money I should have paid nine months ago when I was like, I, I don't know if I want to pay the mentorship. So immediately after I lost money, on a deal that we couldn't close because we couldn't raise, I spent the money and got in and realized I should have done that. Right. Education, the Education. platform, all those stuff. Man. Yes. It's, uh, it's yes. just like, you know, we, some, some of us learn the hard way, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe men are more like that. Maybe us engineers or those, <laughs> yeah. Those, those yeah. like we can do it. We, we've figured out stuff all of our lives. We don't need We don't need help. Yeah. I know. don't need instructions on how to build Ikea stuff. I don't need instructions on how to capital raise, but it turns out <laughs> I do. <laughs> so same here, same here. So that's, that's, that's really good. So no, that's, that's actually really good, man. So well, thank you for, for sharing that piece. Yeah. Um, what are some, what are some, uh, what are some things you, I guess I thought, as there's a couple of questions I would say, I'd like to ask here. Um, I think you just answered it. Like, what are some things you would have done differently uh, now, now that you've been in the space for a little bit? It sounds like that would be one of them or, yes. or something yes. else that you would maybe do differently now, looking, looking back uh, with hindsight. So the benefit of hindsight. Oh God, so much. Yeah, on that first deal that failed, it wasn't just capital raise. It was so many other things as well. Um, 
But yes, to hit the point on the capital raise, if you are an aspiring syndicator and you find property, but you don't have investors, don't think if you bring an opportunity that you're going to find investors, you have to have them in your back pocket already. So true. Um, You can't, yeah, it's not, if you build it, they will come. That doesn't work. Uh, The second thing I learned is, I mean, partnerships are super important. I think that's obvious. And you really learn about partnerships when you get into the heat of the battle. But uh, we jumped into this class C super heavy lift property and we realized we couldn't pull investors because one, we were a a new team of syndicators. Mm -hmm. It was a heavy lift. And two, this is an odd one. It was too small. It was a 23 unit, two point, uh, if I remember correctly, 2.3 million. Um, we didn't have to raise much money, but we still couldn't, but, <laughs> but when we brought in some bigger investors that were like, yeah, we can, we can pull this off. They looked at it and said, no, it's too small. Yeah. The reason being economies of scale on something like a 23 unit aren't that great. And there's higher risk when one person moves out the, your percentage of loss and rent is higher than if you have a hundred unit, right? Precisely, so yeah. just like a single family, you know, what's, what's the vacancy when single family, you know, when a single family one over one, you know, versus one yep. over a hundred, just that fraction, you know, yep. scales, you know, that ratio scales with the number of units you have under, you know, under management. Yeah. And actually another thing to note on that is in this inflationary period, rents grow with inflation. And when you constantly have tenants moving out month over month, you're increasing rent with inflation. So you are riding that curve pretty well. When you have a single family home and there's inflation happening, you're stuck waiting until that year ends before you get to bump the, the rent. So that's a brilliant uh, point there. Flint. Yeah. I love that. That's a, such a good point. Ride that inflation wave with, with bigger property. Absolutely. Um, what, uh, give us, uh, give us an embarrassing story. Uh, this is, this, I know this is sometimes oh. it's funny, sometimes not give us an embarrassing story from your, prof- I mean, it could be real estate, maybe from your professional life that you would, would, would mind sharing with, with the audience here. Hopefully it's funny, but it could just be embarrassing too. <laughs> ah, man, I, I almost need to be prepped on that one. I don't know if you sent me something that says, well, I, I, did not, I did not, I did not. Oh, this, I might have to dig, you okay. know, I think the the most recent thing, um, because I'm an engineer and program manager, I am not a sales guy. I am not marketing. I I am learning on the fly and I do stupid stuff. Um, There's something as simple as just getting your active campaign set up. And when you send out an email blast to a hundred investors and you just have something screwed up in there, like a typo, that's like, Oh God, and you can't pull it back. Right. Yes. sir. I was, I was feeling spicy one night on I, on some <laughs> letter I was sending out to everyone, my entire list. Yeah. And I decided to get funny with it, but yeah. it was one of those where I'm like punch drunk at 11 PM at night. Just, just, just putting things that at that hour is kind of funny, but in reality in a professional letter shouldn't be put there. So yes. I was like, that night I was like, yeah, this, this is fine. And hit send, just trying to be different. But I realized the next morning I woke up and I was like, that was stupid. Yes. I don't think I, I hurt anything in the long run. And for the most part, I think in general, here's for most, if you're being capital raiser, you almost get like a third of the, your investors will open up emails and read them. It's, it's hard, but that's, that's, I'm being told by others are like, Oh, a third is really good. So at least only a third of my investor base saw it. And 
and it wasn't that bad but in the end yeah. it's like maybe you should sit on a letter or something for a day bef- and reread it before you send it to that many people yeah that's no that's really that's really key that's a huge thing and i'm working on just personally i'm working on my active campaign uh you know drip campaign and some other things yeah. as well here um, so I guess that is your, I was going to ask you next for your recommendation for when you're sending out, you know, because I, I have a terrible thing with uh, making terrible typos. I drop entire words. I read it five times. I dropped like 10 words, you know, like, like, like yeah, I'm just I like, it's like, too. it's terrible. And I'm like, and I, good God, like John, like, did you not go to school? Can you not spell? I'm like, yes, I can spell. Uh, but I, <laughs> I literally have this blindness. I just cannot see that I dropped these words. So um, oh, I did is, the same thing. Maybe it's an engineering thing. Like the maybe. is dropped. I just skip right over it. Um, um, but it's your process. Yeah, gra- yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that's good. Grammarly. That's Grammarly. Huge. I pay for Grammarly. It's always saving my butt when I care if the <laughs> if I need something to to be appropriately written. Beautiful. Now, that, that's good. Act. So you know, think about all the, the nuggets you've dropped here, Flynn. I mean, so like you went with the good egg team. Then yeah. you, uh, then you, then you're actually within. Of course, then within your CRM, you know, you you're using Active Campaign as in this yep. case. And also, um, you know, obviously make sure you're in uh, appropriate uh, mental and, and health space before you send a message. And then uh, obviously then you use some checkers again. So like, all those things are key. You know, not, yeah. I mean, I know you just kind of like we dripped them there for us, but like all those things are important to ensure a high quality communication at all times with your investor, yes. which is obviously the lifeblood of this business, right? I mean, obviously yeah. deals and your you team, but all the lifeblood, of course, is your investor base and, you know, always you know, you're presenting yourself in a highly professional and yeah. engaging in all, all those ways. So that's, those are, that's really important. You may be funny in person, but funny in writing may not come through. Right. Yeah, just maybe it, just leave style. that, leave that yeah. talent to somebody else. You know, this is not what right. you do. Some people can be funny in writing. I don't know that I am. Yeah. I, I have, I think I have a little tendency to try to try to edge toward that direction too. And like, yeah. sometimes it's a hit, sometimes it's hit. Sometimes like it's very, very not Total funny. Miss. So leave that <laughs> yeah. one, leave that one alone. Yeah. All right. Fantastic, man. So uh, final uh, closing uh, comments here. Uh, what's the best place for people to connect with you and your team and uh, share anything that you have going on now or looking into the yeah. future for yeah. goals? So I'd love to, love to have my guests share those things too. So um, first off, I'll, I'll say where I'm going. I, I'm challenging my investor base. So here's another nugget. Went from a single property to a fund, and now I'm going to build to rent which is probably another episode or we can extend this another 20 minutes talking about that. <laughs> but I am challenging my investors every step of the way because I have to educate them on a new thing. But that's ah, the new thing yes. I'm doing is yes. built to rent. It's phenomenal. It's picking up speed. It's basically a portfolio of single family homes. We build the ground up these, these um, starter homes that, that for the purpose of renting. And it comes with all the amenities of class A apartments. So we'll have a pool, we'll have a park, you know, it's, it's meant to be those um, young millennials or zennials that want to have a little starter home feel, but it's. Yes, yeah. And so you'll, you'll have a community then, of course. But so we build, yeah, we, yeah. we legitimately yeah. build a, a housing community um, and it's a totally different fund profile and all that, right? We're cutting dirt, we're building roads and putting all the utilities in, but that's my next move. Um, that'll be happening soonish to fall time-ish. <laughs> Um, but if people want to get a hold of me, oh, and I'm going to do some other single properties that'll trickle through with some other partners. So, uh, yeah, if you're interested, it is find me at Vestus Capital. It's V E S T U S Capital.com. 
and uh, you can connect with me from there. Or I'm on LinkedIn, Flint Jamison, LinkedIn slash Flint Jamison. That's where yeah. I'm super active. And just, just so you know, all folks here listening, uh, Flint has an awesome uh, LinkedIn profile. Uh, I see his stuff go by all the time and his website. I was checking out his website before we, we jumped on here. Very nice sure. website. So all those things are very polished and uh, they're very engaging. So you'll probably, when you get on there, you'll probably want to check out what he has to offer and and uh, subscribe to you know different things he's got he's he has on the on the docket there. All right, thank you. Beautiful. All right, everyone here, uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the Investing Stuff You Should Know podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode. Uh, maybe you noticed we've shortened it up just a little bit. Uh, Try to be a little more focused, a little more right to the beat of what people come here to listen for. And I know James uh, Flint has dropped some excellent nuggets. So thank you uh, again, and uh, see you next time. <laughs>